Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome into another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Davey Hudson alongside former Titan Denard Walker, and we appreciate you joining us here today as we get set to start our discussion as we break down each member of the Titans 2021 NFL Draft Class. And today we are starting with the 22nd overall pick, the Titans first rounder, cornerback Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. But before we get into all of that, I want to ask, do you believe? And Believe in Titans is presented by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. D, the NBA playoffs are going to be here very soon. MLB is just getting started. I mean, there's still a lot of action to get into as we head into what is the football offseason. But bet online, there is no offseason over there. So make sure to take advantage of all the deals and offers that they are giving out because it is a lot. But now, D, we're going to turn our attention to the Titans and what all they have coming up whenever we're looking at these guys that they have coming in for this 2021 class. And how was your weekend, my friend? My weekend was great. So happy belated Mother's Day to any of the mothers that sons or daughters didn't wish you Mother's Day. So to all the great moms out there, I feel like every day is Mother's Day to me. So again, congratulations to all the great moms. I would like to say ditto to that message as well. Love you, mom. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, man. You got, you did got, you get got your mom some flowers? I did, actually, yes. Uh, oh, that's good. Nice, nice. I don't even know what to, to call it. It's a, it was like a handcrafted design, and there's like these, I don't know if you say Voss or vases, but there was a vase yeah. that kind of went into the design, and then there were flowers inside of there. So that's, oh, that's nice. what I ended up doing there. Same here. Beautiful roses. You know, every year I try to get my mom something new, something different, but this year I went back to some and some beautiful roses turned out it was just it was awesome to to get a chance to uh, uh to see that it is just a beautiful thing so you know like i said before you know it's a special moment but every day should be Ma- mama's day at least in my opinion d so a lot of moms that are titans fans might be happy with this first round pick because this guy is what you look for when you are trying to find a cornerback to kind of help stop that passing attack that is pretty much just sweeping the NFL nowadays. So, D, just I'm going to throw it to you, man. Caleb Farley coming in here. We'll break down what he brings to the table. And then, of course, I'll get into his back injuries, some other injury concerns, because that was the reason why Caleb Farley fell to where he did in this year's draft. Because according to a lot of 
scouts, a lot of teams, if it weren't for the injury concerns, there's a very, very good chance that Caleb Farley was the first defensive player taken off of the board in this past year's draft. Well, everything happens for a reason. He fell to 22 because this is where he's supposed to be, a Tennessee Titan. So congratulations to the Titans organization. I want to say congratulations to Mr. Caleb Farley. This is a hard, uh, this is a tough journey. And to see everything culminated by him getting drafted 22nd in the 2021 draft is truly a blessing. But I want to say also, before I get into Mr. Caleb Farley, I would like to say congratulations to, oh gosh, how, how do I say this to you? And, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I'd like to say congratulations to Mr. Quinn Mirnes the third round draft pick for the Denver Broncos. There was a certain individual, I'm not going to name any names, that said this young man would not be drafted. It's not true. Denver Bron- it's not true. Don't you start. I was, talking about, I was talking about the tight end. He, I think, went in the sixth round. I was wrong on that, but it wasn't Quinn Maneras who I said wouldn't get drafted. I'm going to go back and find You can go check the tape, but I, I expected that. Quinn Maneras to get drafted. Yeah, you you thought you were going to be coming throwing haymakers? And I, I, I was just joking. Here. Was it uh, Zach Davidson? I, I was wrong on him. I believe that was the tight end out of um, Central Missouri or something something along those lines. But well, I'll, I'll take your word for that. But Davey, let me just—I don't want to deviate from your question, but I will say this: I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, this pick twenty-two. You got the best corner in the draft this year, and, and we both got it right. We were talking about if they were going to draft the corner, it would be Caleb Farley that we both wanted. So both of our wishes came true. I would say what you're getting from Caleb is the complete package. Davey, there's, there's nothing that he lacks. You're talking about being explosive. He is explosive as he gets as a defensive back. You're talking about a cornerback that literally can take one side of the field away. He can do that. And one of the things that I love about him, he reminds me so much. And, and I always try to look for a player that is kind of identical, you know, that they have similarities. He reminds me of so much of a former LSU great, Morris Claiborne. Now I thought, I know Morris has been in the league now going on 10 years. A lot of people forgot about Morris Claiborne, but let me tell you something. In 2011, Morris Claiborne was the best defensive back in the nation. He was awarded the Jim Thorpe Award. And what I loved about Morris, he was also, an SEC Defensive Player of the Year, and he was the sixth overall pick to the Dallas Cowboys in 2012. What I love about what the similarities that both of these uh, young men they have is that they have the ability to go get the football, and that's something that coaches want to see. They don't want to see a young man that's robotic. They want to see a player that when that ball is in the air, it's like it's it's their ball. It's it's like the coaches to tell me. All the time. When that ball is in the air and it's in your vicinity, that's your football. And that's the way he plays. He plays an aggressive style and he goes out there literally to take the number one receiver completely out of the game. But one of the things I love about him, it's not just a pass breakup and he's satisfied. He wants the football. He reminds me a lot of Ed Reed. That's the way Ed Reed played the game. He didn't play coverage. He played schemes. If he saw something that really it didn't go against the coverage. He'll play his own scheme. You know, he'll play his own game. That's why he had so many interceptions, and that's why he was the first ballot Hall of Famer. Caleb has all of these tools, and I'm so proud. I uh, think of John Robinson for making this pick. You finally got that shutdown corner, and I think he's a player that can come in and galvanize not only the secondary, but this whole defensive unit. When I look at Caleb's tape, 
the first thing that really stands out, and you notice this before the ball is even snapped, but it's just his size. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's six foot two, two hundred and five pounds, really just has great length. And that that was my first takeaway. Then when you move into just watching how he is covering certain receivers, he just has that physicality to him to where he is one, you can tell majority of the time, at least in college, he was stronger than almost every receiver he was going up against. And getting into that press really did slow up the receivers and gave him an opportunity to where once the play was starting to develop more, he's already in a favorable position. I then continue whenever I'm looking at his tape overall. D, you kind of mentioned, man, it's like his ball skills. Like He just knows where it's at. And that's something you get with a guy that out of high school was playing quarterback. They're like, all right, we're going to move you to wide receiver. And then you're like, well, all right, let's see what he can do at DB. And so once they put him at cornerback, he's making all these great plays on the ball just because he has that natural instinct. He knows where it's going to be at, and he gets to that spot and beats whoever he needs to beat to get there. And so that is just something I love to see whenever I know the Titans have struggled as far as just having that shutdown corner. That one guy where you're just like, man, you just put him on an island and you don't have to worry about that side of the ball. You can focus safeties to a different area because you're like, Caleb's got it. He can be that player. I will say, we don't have a lot of tape on Caleb, though, at the cornerback position. If I were to give a knock, I would probably say just inexperience at that position. But that can also be a great thing in that there's only room for him to improve and for him to get better. Because if you've not played a position that long and you look great doing it, I mean, odds are, well, once you get more experience, you're only going to get better. I mean, that's just simple, simple facts. So, D, whenever you are looking at Caleb's tape, how do you expect that to translate once he's going up against some of these these NFL guys that do have the experience and they understand how to kind of take advantage of some of these younger cornerbacks? Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> Welcome to the National Football League. Unfortunately, you're not playing no more against, you know, somewhere 18, 19-year-olds. And, you know, that's the hard thing to do is to make the transition to the next level. Morris had some issues, and and I'm not trying to deviate from what you just asked me, but you take Morris Claiborne, and when he came in, when you're six, the sixth pick overall in the 2012 draft, you expect that pick to come in right away and start. And he struggled, and Dallas ran him out of here. Now he's with Kansas City, but he's going into his 10th year. And that's when you look at Caleb, what you want from him is you want him to bring the same tools. You want him to bring the same mentality. All of those tools, all, that mentality that Bud Foster, one of the greatest defensive coordinators to coach in college football, if you don't know Bud Foster, all you got to do is read his resume. It speaks for itself. He's Frank Gross. Yes, he, he's one of the greatest. And what he is able to do is he gets everything out of his players. And that's how, you know, when Caleb came to Virginia Tech in 2017, he was a great quarterback, you know, coming out of that Maiden High School in North Carolina. And he rushed for nearly over 2,500 yards and threw for over 1,500 yards. So that should tell you. That's called a God gift. You remember when I was telling you about being a, like you were a lawyer, you went to law school, like that's a gift. That's a lot of times when guys have that type of athleticism, you think about Dion, you think about Bo Jackson, you know, 
that's just a God-given talent. Caleb has that. And he has the tools to be great. And one of the things that I love about him is his ability to learn. Yes, he is young. He is raw. And that's a great thing because that means there's so much upside. There's so much more he can learn. Sometimes I think it's good when a guy can convert from one position to the other, just like Morris Claiborne. When he got to LSU, he was actually a receiver. You know, a lot of people didn't know that. And so what they did was they tried to say, listen, there's, it's too packed over here. It's too many bodies over here. Move to defensive back. You already have the ball skills. So what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to teach you backpedaling. I'm going to teach you the kind of the nuance of the game. And so when they moved Morris Claiborne in LSU, he became an All-American in one year starting in LSU and became the Jim Thorpe Award winner. And it's the same with Caleb. You see the, a lot of similarities between these two. That's where I keep that's why I keep bringing Morris' name up is he's still learning the position. So what you do is you bring all of that from Virginia Tech, bring it to Nashville, bring that same mentality that you played with the last three, three or four years. He's a redshirt junior. So he's been there four years in that program down at Virginia Tech. Bring all of that because the same way that you were successful at Virginia Tech, you want that to translate all of those. You want all of that to translate on the field when you get to Tennessee. And you don't have to change a thing. You just got to continue to do it. It's like muscle memory. Do it until it just you just get it. And that's what defensive backs, they love to do. They love to get in a rhythm. And that's what you see in Caleb. When he gets into a rhythm, there's nobody in the game that's better than him. When I'm looking at Caleb, and I was on Pro Football Focus, just kind of looking at how well he did. This would have been two years ago, but of all Power 5 cornerbacks, he was the best whenever you're looking at opposing quarterbacks' passing rating. Right, like they just yeah, they they weren't able to get the balls to receivers. He just he was locked down. He was he was great. I know obviously in the National Football League, there's going to be times where teams are going to take advantage of a rookie. It doesn't matter how good that rookie is; like it's going to happen. Like there are there, there's a learning curve that happens. But one of the great things that Caleb has is his ability to recover. He's so fast that that will help him in a situation whenever he does get beat or he does bite on a move and he's going the wrong direction. He's got that ability to get himself out of that situation just with his God-given talents. And when you look at his size, I mean, Sam Monson with PFF, yeah, six six two. I mean, he says, guys at that size have no right to be as fast as Caleb is. And then he, he like he goes on, he's like, he's put this, this timeline together. He says, he really is the poster child for why length at cornerback matters. We have all the physical tools in this guy right here. We could continue talking about his ability on the football field, but D, man, like the, the, the biggest thing, and it's, it's why he slid, that we need to get into is, is he going to be able to stay on it? Nobody knows that, but I will say this, Davey, the way that we judge in this business is by that film. We call it the eye in the sky. And when you look at the eye in the sky, that's that film. And I went, but let me just tell you something. I actually broke him down. And what I did is I went to I went through a three game breakdown of Caleb and there's no flaws in this game. But I'm not just looking at when he makes plays. I like to see what happens when he gets beat. So I go back and I watch a game against Old Dominion. okay? and he's playing a cover, two. What I love. This is how I'm able to judge. This is how defensive backs are judged. This is how your coach will look at you on Monday during film when sometimes you've had a bad game. What he's doing, he's coaching you. He, there's a game against Old Dominion in 2019. 
They're playing a cover two. Now, the tip, typically the way you play a cover two, you want to make sure you funnel the receiver inside because it's hard for the safety to get. If you don't, if he gets outside of you, it's hard for him to get to the other hash to make that play. What happened was when there was the receiver on Old Dominion was able to get outside of Caleb. So he has a step not only on Caleb, but two steps on Caleb because he's playing cover two. So he's playing the flat. Unfortunately, the safety can't get over there in time. Instead of panicking, Caleb reroutes, re, excuse me, redirects his steps, turns around completely. And that's where you see that acceleration. And as the ball is in the air, rather than panic like a lot of defensive backs, they'll do sometimes. He's able to make that play. He gets it that long six foot two, that long reach in there, and he's able to knock the ball away. That's what I want to see. I want to see when you get beat, because getting beat in the NFL at the defensive back position is inevitable. It's going to happen. The question is: Is what happens when you get beat? Do you panic? Or do you continue to play? One of the things that Coach Jerry Gray used to always instill in us, he used to say this, at some point during the season, you will get beat. I don't want to see you panicking. I don't want to see you start to do things that you normally don't do. What I want to see you do is do what we coach. We do a drill every day where we put the receiver about four or five yards ahead of you and just throw the ball up and make the receiver just, I mean, make the defensive back go. And don't look for the ball. Try to track the receiver. And that's that's how he was able to make a play on the old Dominion in the in the end zone. Is he tracked the receiver? And then as you get when you get close to re the receiver, you look into his eyes, look at his hand placement. And that's what I loved about him is his resiliency. He didn't panic, okay, in a bad situation. That's what you want to see. Yeah, we know he has all the athleticism. We know he has the tools. But what happens when you get beat? What happens when you make a mistake? The faster you can recover in this business, the better you will play. And that creates, in return, that will create longevity. Because at some point, we are going to go through some ups and downs, some ebbs and flows of the games. I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you take the number one pick in the draft. It's going to happen. And that's really where they judge you. I'm not, when I look at guys like Pat Sertain, I'm not looking at them to look at the plays that they make. When I look at film, I want to see, you know what? What happens when he makes a mistake? What is his body language like? That's what coaches look at. I want to see that. If I'm your coach, I don't want to see when you're doing good. I want to see how you respond when, you, when things are not going great. And that's what a lot of NFL coaches will do, is how do you respond when adversity hits you? And the thing that I loved about that Old Dominion game is he didn't panic. And I love that. That's that's an attribute. That's called mental toughness. And that's what you have to have to play this game. For those listening, if, you, if you've been listening to this show before, you realize that D and I are, were both extremely high on Caleb Farley coming out of, of college. I mean, we had him as either our first or second best cornerback in the draft, first or second best defensive player in the draft. I'm not going to question his covering ability. Like I, I do think that that has the ability to be a, elite I will ask you, D, is tackling a concern for you? No. That's the other thing I look at is tackling. You will not last in the National Football League at the cornerback position. Again, I went back and I, I did a, a three-game breakdown. And when I watched him in space, his tackling abilities are unbelievable. This young man, this player, Caleb, when he comes to hit you, 
He's coming to hit you. He's not coming up there to make a shoestring tackle. But you know what? Greg Williams used to tell us this all the time. You will not get on the field if you can't tackle. I don't care about your cover skills. You will not play in this game. You will not play for this team. You will have This organization will have nothing to do with you. And they was talking to me because that last year at LSU, I was atrocious in tackling. Tackling is a, just you have to want to. It's not sometimes about technique. It's just a desire to bring a guy down. He is a really good open field tackler. You have to be. The Tennessee Titans love to play cover two, like to play a lot of zone. And when you play cover two and you're a flat player, a lot of times quarterbacks will throw that check down to the back in the flat. Guess who's got to come up and make the tackle? The cornerback. And that's, you know, Malcolm was a good tackle. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I loved about Malcolm Butler. He was a really good tackler in space. Because that's what DBs do. We have to tackle in space. When I had a chance to really look at him on film, that was the two things. Those, excuse me, those were the two things that I looked at. His tackling ability. He is exceptional. He is a monster. He's 6'2, 207. That's a grown man. That's like Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman's 6'3, over 200 pounds as well. He's a good tackler. And that's what I love about him. His tackling abilities and his ability not to panic when things go wrong. And that's what makes you a complete defensive back in this league. According to Pro Football Focus, throughout the course of his collegiate career, he had 21 missed tackles. 14 of those came in 2018. The next year in 2019, he was able to cut that in half down to seven. So obviously the NFL, better players, might have a few misses here or there. But I mean, like that's just how it is with playing at the NFL level and going up against elite receivers. But D, like I... I mean, like I said, we could go on and on about how great he is covering and just his physical attributes as a player. But the big thing we're talking about concerns for Caleb is just, can he get on the field? Because, as you say all the time, your health is your wealth. And some people will combat that with injured players stay injured. If you have a propensity to be injured, like it's, it's going to happen again. And we're at a guy who has had two back surgeries. One came in 2019. The other came this past March. That's why he didn't have his pro day. Teams haven't been able to witness him since before the pandemic. And the other was an ACL injury that he sustained while also at Virginia Tech. That one I'm not too concerned with. I mean, we talk about it now, the ways in which the surgeries for torn knee ligaments have improved throughout the years, how a lot of times now you see guys come back with even stronger knees after having the surgery and all the rehab that goes into that. But when we look at his back, I, I wanted to kind of lay out what his situation was there. Now, this, as we all know, is the reason that he slid in the draft to where he did. His first injury was a microdisectomy. This happened in 2019 off of a deadlifting exercise. A rep, while he was deadlifting, ended up hurting himself there. The thing with the microdisectomy is, Again, I am no doctor. D, I do not believe you are a doctor as well. No. Okay, just just double checking. Just, just making sure we, we clear the air. I, I didn't know if you, you'd gone back to medical school on me. But, I didn't go to school in the first place. I couldn't get in. I failed zoology twice. <laughs> the issue with his microdisectomy is it's an injury that doesn't exactly cause further damage. The problem is can you play through the pain? And his first time, wasn't able to do that, and that's why they went back in for the second surgery that he had this past March. 
because the way your nerve endings work whenever you have that initial injury to where he had so much pressure on that part of his spine. I believe it was like, again, I'm no doctor. It's part, like, part that connected. I think it's the L5 and the S1, I believe, are the correct terms. Don't quote me on that. But whenever he ended up injuring that, the pain and the pressure that is staying on that nerve is what made him eventually have to have the surgery. Now, where the issue comes in, and this is why a lot of doctors and team physicians were hesitant, there were, I guess to kind of just go off of a quick tangent, there were some teams like the Titans that didn't have an issue. They checked him out. They're like, this is fine. He'll be okay. We don't view this being a long-term problem. Other teams were like, this is an issue, but we're not taking him off our board. We're going to slide him down to maybe a round two eval. He's a guy that if he falls to us there, we'll definitely take the opportunity and draft him. Some teams just said, you know what, it's not worth the risk. They just took the guy off the board completely. You had those three areas as far as what teams were willing to do with this guy. And some some teams obviously felt better, and the Titans were the team to snatch him up whenever he fell to 22. Now, what has happened with this back injury is it's a thing to where, obviously, as we know, spine injuries can be very right. severe, but one mishit, one situation where the back maybe just doesn't quite fall right after trying to make a tackle, it could cause more pressure on that nerve. And what will usually happen is that these guys will get, they'll maybe get like a, some, some oral supplements to kind of help with the pain at first. Some painkillers there. What? Then, Who told you that? What? That they're going to give them some kind of oral... Everybody takes that in the National Football League. No, no, I'm going. I'm going through the steps as far as what happens. So, like, okay, if, if you're having pain, no, no, this. I'm, I'm getting through. Like, whenever you have this type of surgery, the process that they usually go, you just get painkillers to start off. Then, if the injury and the pain persist, that's when they start with the cortisone injections, trying to help out there. And then you get to a certain point to where, if the pain is still persisting, that's when you have to have another surgery. Every guy in the National Football League gets all of that. It doesn't matter the injury. Think about Thomas Davis. He what tore his ACL three times, and he put together what fifteen or sixteen years in the National Football League. Think about Mark Sclera. You know he documented he had over fifteen, almost twenty surgeries in his playing career. I know. Every but for guy, the it, spine, know, for that spine, you can only. But I have a spine problem. I have that issue too. That's why I stopped playing. And you know really what is the best remedy for it? Not to play? No, rest. Listen, D, when you play in the National Football League, something is going to hurt. Whether it's your knee, your ankle, your back, your arm, your neck, that game will take something away from you. Okay, that's the way it works. I don't care... What injury? I've I've had that injury. I have a back injury. I've had I got I have a spine injury. And let me just tell you this: you have to learn, regardless of the situation, you have to play through it. But D, did you have two surgeries on those injuries before you even made it to the league? I wasn't diagnosed, but I, you know what? I believe at some point at LSU, something probably did happen. Listen, if a club wants you, they're gonna get you regardless. Some clubs are different. That, I'm telling. I've had another it, conversation in and of itself, and I, I agree with listen, you. I'm not arguing, but like that's the thing. It's like we're having to talk about the longevity of this guy's career. But we don't know that. We don't know that you could take a guy that's perfectly healthy, put him in the league, and he can get hurt right there like, at that moment. It's 100 percent true. I'm not discounting that, but what I'm saying is we actually have evidence of this guy having these injuries over okay, time. That but have, you know what? Tennessee said, "Listen, 
it wasn't a concern for us. If it's not a concern for us, that means that we're not even going to talk about it. We'll deal with it when he, he gets there. That's that's for the I team. I don't care how work. healthy you are. I don't care if you can walk into the National Football League right now. 32 jobs. I don't care, Davey. Right now, if you got a clean bill of health, that game will take something from you. You're going to play through some pain. You got to. That's the way it works. Every guy that's played this game, D, every guy that has played this game will tell you something on your body. Week in and week out, it's going to hurt you. But you got to find the way. That's called mental fortitude. That's the way NFL players are trained. They're trained to know that something's going to hurt. Your back, your knee, something's going to be broken. I have played with dislocation. I have played with a broken bone. You got to suck it up. That's just the way it works. If you can't, you won't play this game. Something's going to tear. Sometimes they'll give you two weeks. Sometimes they'll give you a month. But you got to find your way back on that field. If it wasn't a concern for Tennessee, it might have been a concern for, what, 15 or 20 other organizations. I have been hurt. I have taken a physical for some teams when I went through free agency. There was a few teams that said, you know what, he might be, you know, this is not worth it because he had, he, he's had a history of concussions, okay? But you know what? Denver said, okay, uh-uh, we'll take that chance. If they want you, they will sign you. Tennessee wanted him. So it doesn't matter if you was taken first, 22nd, or 57. At some point when you get in this game, Ray Lewis said it best, something is going to hurt. You will never be the same again when you play this game. I have a son who's 19 years old who's dealing with back issues at the University of Oklahoma. I've, ha I've told him this. I had to instill him. I had to instill in him this, and I had to tell him this. Listen, you are, you have to play through it. If you don't learn to play through pain, you won't make it at this level. It's too rough on your body. It's too tight. This game is really not meant to be played. It's played by gladiators. It's played by warriors, guys that know that when they step on that field, they always, not, not just the risk of injuries, but also, God forbid, that something really bad can happen, very catastrophic can happen on that field. I've seen it. That's what we do when we're players. We put ourselves at risk. We know the risk that's involved in this game. And I don't care who you are. You know, nobody's going to, the way you walk in, you won't leave out the same more than likely. You can walk in healthy. And on the first day of training camp, boom, something can snap just like that. You got to play through it or you're gone. That's just the way it is. You either play through it or you're out. Dude, this is one of the reasons why I think our dynamic works so well. Obviously, I enjoyed listening to your rant right there. I agree with you. I could tell it was coming from your heart. I could, I could feel that. But here's the thing. You said that as players. As an analyst, I have to sit back and I have to look at the probability. That's the biggest thing for this guy is can he maintain those issues over time to where he's productive and able to be on the field for the Titans for at least his rookie contract? Because, listen, like I'm, I'm just taking medical professionals' advice on this. I'm looking at it from a standpoint of, okay, what are the odds that he's able to continue to go? Because, I mean, this is a severe injury. I looked at a, I, I talked to a guy who had a similar situation where he had that microdisectomy. Granted, he wasn't playing in the league, but he's talking about that surgery. After I had that surgery, I had six months before the pain was so severe that I couldn't even walk without just being in excruciating pain constantly. And so it's one thing to just be able to go through the normal day-to-day -day functions and to be able to do that. But can you continue to run a 4-3 whenever that nerve in your back is just pushing down constantly, just causing pain. And, I mean, 
it does go back to the willpower, but it does also look to a point to where it's like some at some point you can have an injury that is just so painful that it doesn't matter how tough you are, the way the body works, the way the nerve endings are firing, that that pressure is going to a point that's impacting his ability to run. Is at, at a certain point mentally you can't overcome. No, 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 no. That's not true. That's not true. You, you, you said as you said as an analyst, but you said probability. Guys don't look at probability, Davey. Listen, obviously he had to have done something for them to pick him at twenty-two. It just wasn't on the field. Oh, they put yeah. him through some testing. So obviously he must still got this, this four-three speed that he's been displaying since he was at Virginia Tech. That's the only reason that they took him in this draft. Well, D, like, so I, obviously I'm, I'm here to be hindering him, his performance. D, you got to understand, there's a difference between an analyst and a player. A player goes through it. An analyst only sees from what's outside. We only let them know what we want them to see. Davey, this is the way it works. You, when you go into that building, when you go inside, when you go on that, when you put that uniform on, when you go against the Atlanta Falcons or the San Diego Chargers, only you know, only you know, only the guys that suit up against you and with you, your peers, they're the only ones that can empathize with you. Nobody else can. Not the analysts, not the guys that sit from the outside looking in. Only the guy. This is why when guys, when people on the outside criticize players, players sometimes don't care. They only care. When players that have played this game, when they know what they've been through, what they've gone through, or what they're experiencing, and they say something that a, a guy didn't agree with, that's they'll take it personal. You know, like a Shannon Sharp. Skip Bayless can talk all he wants to, but guys, when they hear an opinion from Shannon Sharp, they take it personal. Only guys that have been in that building can empathize and know. I'm telling you right now, all of those shots and all of that, I don't care you may not even be hurt. You're going to get that anyways because something on your body, will, it's just, i tell you what, you can't simulate this, okay? You cannot simulate outside in of what this game is about. This is a game of attrition. This is a game of will. And anytime you play a game or anything in life where it requires attrition or will, or will it just don't feel good. It's not going to feel good to you sometimes. It's going to hurt. It's going to be pain. That's what called grit. Grit takes you out of that. And that's what players, that's the mentality that every player, whether it's the older guys from the 50s and the 60s that barely can walk. You, you look at Willie Joe Namath when he talked about his knees. He couldn't walk. By the time in 1977 when he got to the Rams, his knees were shot. He talked about the pain killing. He talked about how, how he was trying to alleviate some of that pain through drinking. That's what guys experience. Their bodies will never, but they find a way. If you can't find a way, you're out of that door. You are out of that door. That's just the way it works. I'm telling you from somebody that's been in that game. I'm telling you from a guy that sometimes can't get out of bed in the morning because my back is locked up. But you know what? At the end of the day, they would have never taken this young man at that 22nd if they didn't believe that he has the potential to be great. They're not looking at the probability of him getting hurt. He's not looking at the probability of him getting hurt. He's looking at it. He said to himself, what did he say when he first talked to J-Rod? What you said, I want my play. I want the playbook. I want the playbook. Yes. I want the playbook. I'm, I'm, I'm He's not looking quick. at his back. He said, I want the playbook. D, 
if I'm Caleb Farley, I don't want him to be focused on the possibility of him re-entering. That's not for him to worry about. But if I'm general manager John Robinson and I'm using a first-round pick, I have to look at the risk of whenever I draft a person, if that person can suit up for me every Sunday. I no, have no, no, to no, look no, no. at that. You're not. I'm not John Robinson, and you're not John. We're, we're Davy. You're Davy Hudson, yes. and I'm Denard Walker. And you're he makes that decision. He does. He makes that decision. And my job is to criticize him if he makes a good decision, if he makes a bad decision. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to take in what this team does, give it to the listeners, and look at it from that perspective. And like I said, to start this whole thing, that's where our dyna- dynamic comes in, and that's why it can be so good because I can sit here and I can try to look at. All right, if I'm looking at it from J. Rob's perspective, as somebody who's trying to draft these players. You're looking at it from a perspective of somebody who's been in the shoes of these players, who's having to go through the pain, the physicality that they're having to go through. And it's it's a thing to where we talk about risk versus reward all the time. And it's one of those situations where whenever you're dealing with these players, as much hard as they have, and you know me, D, I, I sat here and, you, and you, you were listening to me when I said, I want Caleb Farley. I think he has that potential to be an incredible, a great playmaker for the Tennessee Titans or whichever team he goes to. I believe he has that potential. I know that from what I have seen him do on the field, he can be great. But the reason, and I'm I'm glad the Titans had him, but there's only one reason why the Titans had the opportunity to have him at 22, and it's because of the reason we're sitting here talking about it right now. Not necessarily. Who told you that? Who told me what? You're, you're listening to the analysts. You listen to all the mother people. You don't know that. You got to go into the other 32, the 31 organization and listen to them say why they didn't draft him. Yeah, Maybe there I, wasn't a need. No, Maybe there's, there there's wasn't people a on record. You don't there's know people that. On you got to go inside. You're looking, you're looking from outside and then you're making your own generalization. You got to go in. See, there are scouts it's on like record saying that they would draft war. him. It's if, like going into a battle. If the battle's in the jungle, why would you? Why would you try to fight it outside the jungle? You got to go inside. We got to, I got to take you inside. I'm giving you an inside perspective of what it's like. If you're going to, it's like, like a coach told me, if you're going to, my coach, he, he fought in Vietnam when I was at LSU coach case. And he said, if the battle is in the jungle, you can't stay outside of the jungle and try to fight. You got to go inside. You got to go inside. You can't simulate this. You got to go through it, D. You got to go through it. I'm giving you the perspective from a guy that's been inside. Everybody gets shot up. Everybody. Brett Favre will tell. He told you. He told people that he was going through issues, dealing with pain. Uh, was a uh, was all the meds and all of that stuff. You know how many guys suffer from that. We all take them. We all have to. Our bodies are not the same. Our minds. That's why the NFL has been criticized. That's why they've had to get gear and equipment. You know. All these new uh, rules made, and, and because you know why, we're the ones that's got to put on that mask. We're the ones that's got to go on that field. To some people, it's entertainment. It gives them something to talk about. But when you go inside that battle, it called the field. I promise you, I don't care how healthy you feel, I don't care how good you feel, you will never feel the same when you walk out of there on a Sunday. Let me tell you something. If you ever go to an NFL training room. On uh, Monday morning, man, it, it, it's packed up. It looks like a hospital, a public hospital with 50,000 people in it. It's full, it's man. Just, it's, 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 it's just, you, you can't simulate this. I'm giving, you, I'm giving you the realness. I'm not giving you an edited version. I'm giving you the truth. So this, this about his health, believe me, he's not looking at it from that standpoint. He's probably, he, he opted out 2020, so he gave himself a chance to heal up. Sometimes this, like Jamar said, 
all these guys like Jamar Chase, they, they set out this year. What do you think sitting out did for him? It, it helped some. Body. It hurt some. I mean, Jamie Newman did not get drafted. He was projected to be a really uh, – he was at least projected to get drafted. Like I said before, what I'm giving you, what I'm giving you, I'm giving you this – I'm giving you realness. I'm giving you organic authenticity. I'm giving you this real knowledge. I'm giving you as a guy who's been in the jungle. I'm giving you that. I can't simulate that over by via Zoom. But what I can do is I can give it to you from the experience, from being there. And I can tell you right now, we can talk about, you think about all of the players that they picked, okay, for the Titans. We, there was only one guy that we mentioned that they picked. We thought they were going to take this player here, this player here, this player here. They took one. You know why? That's John's Robbins' responsibility, not ours. And I know what you're saying. It's our job to be critical. Yeah, but you know what? At the end of the day, they're not looking at it, Davey, from a probability standpoint. They're looking at, it, at this as a long-term relationship with a young man that has the potential to be a great player in this league for a long time. That's the way when I look at Caleb Farley, I look at him like that. Not his back or ACL in 2017 tear. No, I look at it from that standpoint. I will disagree with you on this. They are looking at those things, but his ability to be what some consider an elite player in this league outweighed that issue. And so that's why we took the chance. And like I said, man, I'm glad we did. I I think he's going to be able to play. I don't necessarily think the back issue is going to hinder him, but I I do have to actually look at the chances of someone who's had multi-level back surgeries before he's gotten to the league and realize that that can't... So, so you're like, all, all I'll ask here, D, is, so is there a chance that his back injuries limit his ability to play past his first his first contract? Um, you know what? I'm not God. God could have touched his back, and he's healed. You know what I'm saying? He wouldn't be there. This is not by accident. This is not by accident. He's there for a reason, man. Let's just throw everything out. They will not draft a guy that high if his body is all banged up. That's not going to happen. Your health is your wealth. We make money as NFLs by using our bodies and our minds. See, we go back two years, man. We look at it. We know John Robinson's willing to take those chances. There's a reason we got Jeffrey Simmons at 19. It was because of an injury, and he fell to us, and it's been fine. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay. These situations but, can be great. But, but we can take mean... Isaiah Wilson at 29, and now he's he's Exactly. There's now like – He's out uh, – uh, Making rap music right now. He's he's in great shape. That's, and that's, <laughs> you know, there's reasons general manager John Robinson has been criticized because you got one example that's been great right there in 2019. You go to 2020, you got one that obviously was not great to put it as nice. That half, that's why they call it a draft. That's it, why exactly. I said you just hold. And so we have you to sit here that that pick pans and, out. That's the way it worked. Yeah, and that's why we're going to talk about all the possibilities that can be an issue based off the information that we currently have at our disposal. And I think we did a pretty good job doing that today. And like I said, man, we're going to try to give you it from multiple perspectives as to why this pick is good, why there might be reasons for concern. And that's what we're going to do for every pick. There are situations for every single player as to why they can be bad. And D, or I don't want to say bad, but why things might not work out. And I know you don't like looking at that, but we have to do the audience the self-service of making sure we cover every single thing 
that we at least have available to us. And so with Caleb Farley, as we have, I think, pointed out, the biggest concern to some team's medical staffs, some it's not. Here's a, here's a great example, D. And this, this could be, you and I are both fans of a collegiate football team that has to go up against Nick Saban every damn year. Every damn year, you all have at least been fortunate enough to beat them on occasion. I have never seen Tennessee beat Alabama while Nick Saban is wearing a Crimson Tide shirt. And yet, what had happened was the Miami medical staff did not clear a quarterback by the name of Drew Brees, and therefore Drew Brees did not go to Miami. He went to New Orleans, and Nick Saban flunked out of the NFL, and I had to watch Tennessee get their ass kicked every third Saturday in October because the medical staff did not clear a guy. There are examples of where it works, where there are problems with clearing a guy, and there are examples that go the other way where it's like, yeah, that guy doesn't need to play anymore. So I'm going to pray for you. You need a healing. You need to learn how to let go. Look at you right now. You all red. You flustered right now. You cannot let go to pass. So maybe Ooh. Caleb Farley can be our Drew Brees. All right, the Drew Brees of our defense. You hope so. And let me I tell you so. something. You need to stop with this Tennessee, Alabama, uh, all this Jeremy Pruitt stuff. You're going to work yourself up. You're only, what, 25 years old, and you're probably going to have high blood pressure from just all this built-up rage. You need to learn how to relax, go have, t- go, go, go out and run. This was before Jeremy Pruitt. This go goes way right back. Now. You said you weren't going to talk about Tennessee. Now you're talking about Tennessee. You done changed the subject, and now look at you. You said you, you said made me bring up Nick Saban. Look at you. Look at you. That's your problem. You need to learn how to forgive. Leave Nick Saban out of this. Nick Saban is filthy rich right now. He's going down as arguably one of the greatest coaches in all of college football. Me and you, we're just losers. <laughs> I think you're going to end Nick on Saban some positive <laughs> note there. But kidding. I guess I guess not. No, man. you but went hey, to law man. school. I, yeah, I'm going to hire you. But no, no I, I, I feel you, buddy. Look at you. You all flustered up. Nah, man. You. I'm you just red. having a good time. I know. Having a good time. No, but that's, again, like that's that's the biggest thing with Caleb Farley. We've talked about how great he can be from a physical standpoint. It's just hopefully he's able to stay out there. And I think that's a great way to kind of wrap this thing up because we'll get our answer sooner rather than later. I mean, I know that it's already May. Before we know it, man, training camp's going to get here. And so we'll, we'll see what happens once we get there. But, D, before – we go. Do you have any closing thoughts? No, I don't want to talk. Oh, to you're no good. More, you're good. You're good. All right, yeah, fine. I want to close it on that one then. Uh, next week, we'll be back to talk since he tightened second round pick Dylan Redens. And so we'll break down that offensive tackle and what he can add to the Tennessee Titans unit. But I uh, hope you have enjoyed the Caleb Farley talk. And man, I, I, I hope this guy is an absolute baller from what I've seen. I know as long as he can be on the field, we'll get that. But that is going to do it for us today. For Denard Walker, I am Davey Hudson. You have been listening to Believe in Titans, presented by Bet Online on the Believe Podcast Network. And as always, tighten up. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We are available on all your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can follow along to keep up with all the latest Titans information on Twitter at Believe Titans. That's B-L-E-A-V. T-I-T-A-N-S. And hey, if you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.